welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Um, I am joined not by the lovely Conrad, but by the lovely Matt. Hello. See? They sound different. Yes. I'm not old. Ish. Well. Why are we recording so late, Matt? I I may have dozed off on the sofa like a little old man for 40 (laughs) minutes. I'll just just close my eyes. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I just had some music on. I thought, this is just, I'm just, like that. How lovely. It was a lovely, lovely image. It's not even like I'd done anything that would make a man sleepy who lives on his own. (laughs) Good. I'm glad that we've cleared that up. Yep. With Kleenex. Yes. <laughs> or not. Not. Because That's the case, mate. Because it didn't do nothing. No. Not me, Gav. But we're not here to talk about you falling asleep on the couch. No. We're here to talk about your greatest day ever. It was a good day. It was a good day. Why don't you tell us all about your greatest day ever? Well, what happened was... Last Tuesday, as we speak now, which would make it the 30th of August, me and my best bud had a little road trip. It wasn't that little. It was quite a long day, in (laughs) fairness. And your sat-nav went mad. (laughs) My sat-nav did go mad en route and sent us the most bizarre and ridiculous way. Strange lady in my phone. So we're only trying to get. We're trying to get from here to Nottingham. Yeah. That is a two and a half hour drive. It took us four hours. In fairness, it was about three hours on the way back. I think, wasn't it? It was. It was. It just seemed like we were driving forever. And it, and your sat nav did put us in a position where we had to drive across the A one. Yeah. Like, literally drive across it on some, one of those weird little side turnings. Yeah, which I've always driven past and thought, who would come out of one of those? People who listen to my phone, that's it. <laughs> Stupid. So, of secondary consideration to those that listen to this podcast, we went to the third One Day International at Trent Bridge. <laughs> and saw or as all it, the as it should be, as it should be known, the day of many records... And we sat in the glorious sunshine and watched England dismember Pakistan. It was good, wasn't it? It was very good. Well done to the English cricket team, who will undoubtedly be listening. They particularly will. Alex Hales. He, yes. he, he had quite a good day. Yeah, highest ever uh, one-day score. It was indeed. For an individual batsman. High, oh, no, an English batsman, sorry. English. No, any batsman. Was it any batsman? Oh, no, no, it was English. Chris Chris Gallas slogged 200 on the Yes, It was the highest ever English batsman score, beating Robin Smith's record. So that must have been a long time ago. Yes. The Robin Smith record, because it's been a long time since Robin Smith played. Um, And also the highest ever individual... I'm sorry, team score. Inning score for anybody. Of 444. But God, I thought they weren't going to get it. (laughs) It was a last ball boundary... The last over. We, they were cruising. The last over, they couldn't score a run. And then up stepped Joss Butler, 
and slogged it to the boundary on the last ball of the game to give them the record. 444 runs in 50 overs. It was awesome. And I didn't get sunburnt. No. And why didn't you get sunburnt? Because Mrs. Marshall made you pack some sun cream. And what did you say when you saw the sun cream being packed? Sure, I won't need that. Because I'm not a girl. Correct. And then within 20 minutes of sitting in the bakingly hot Nottinghamshire sun, I was like, can I borrow some sun cream, please? Because <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> it was beautiful. We were in the Fox Lane stand, and basically yes. we just sat in the sun all afternoon watching cricket. Mm-hmm. If we'd still drank... We'd have been very drunk. We would have been very, very drunk. But as we didn't drink, um, we just drank fizzy pop. Mm. But it, but it was excellent. Um, an excellent afternoon's and evening's worth of cricket. Um, mm-hmm. the gra- if if you are into cricket, and I'm sure there are some people who listen to this who are into cricket, then Trent Bridge is a really, really good place to go and watch. Yeah, it's really easy to park. Fantastically easy to park. It's a great... I mean, if you can choose um, the, the Fox Lane, was it? The Fox, Fox Lane, Lane, Fox End. Yeah. Um, we were kind of in the middle of that stand, which put us pretty much square on. Yeah, we, were, yeah, we were square on to the wicket. I mean, so it was awesome. We, we could call all the runouts and everything before they even happened. But it did show that when you laugh at the people catching the ball in the crowd... And you go, I could have caught that. It's really hard to see the white ball. Yes, it is. <laughs> when it comes to the crowd, it's the human eye is not designed to spot that sort of movement, and no. it's really quite difficult. But, so that was a fantastic afternoon and evening. That was. So what did we do in the morning? Well, we drove in the morning. What did we do for lunch? Which is the point we, of we, us? We went... To a little venue called Warhammer World. We did. My first ever trip to Warhammer World. And your first trip to Bugman's. And my first trip to Bugman's. I had a burger in Bugman's. Yeah. So, what's Warhammer World? Warhammer World is kind of the corporate headquarters and, I guess, um, giant display case for Games Workshop. Now, as a caveat, I don't think we currently play any Games Workshop games. No. But as with the majority of people of our generation, we certainly have in the past. Yeah. So we know that, you know, you know the fluff. We know, you know, you're invested in it to a degree. It forms part of your gaming heritage. Um, yeah. I and certainly. I, I was just going to say, regardless of what you think oh, they are the behemoth in the industry. You know, they are <laughs> carrying 90%, maybe 80% yeah. of gamers. Certainly, I think every gamer that I know has come in through that route. Yeah. And, you know, people are dissenting of their marketing processes, the refreshment or renewal of their games, um, and for any reason that you like, we'll bash them. Mm. But I would suggest the 
the games industry would be a few million people light if it hadn't been for Games Workshop. I would agree 100%. And so they have created in their corporate headquarters, because it is their their corporate headquarters in is in Nottingham, and in the building where the design studios are and all of their manufacturing is and all the thing and this is on this big industrial estate there is Warhammer World mm. and you go you go up a you know you go in the door and it says Warhammer World on it you go in lovely the door. glass fronted atrium and then there's yeah. music playing and there's flat screens up on the wall with stuff going on toilets Yes. Who'd have, who'd have thought that? There's a rarity in a bloody gaming venue these days. You know, clean and nice toilets. So you go, you go up the stairs. Um, you go into, unsurprisingly, a shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you go through a shop. And then you're in a gaming hall. Now, we were there Tuesday lunchtime. Must have been 40, 50 people yeah. playing games. Just pushing toy soldiers around. Yeah. Um. There's various. They're still they're different stores. I mean, they're almost like I don't know booths at a market, yeah. you know, a covered market or something um, of individual brands. So there was the yeah. Forge World store, yeah, um, the Black Library store. Well, they're very much like the glass fronted kind of things you have in a shopping mall. Yes. Yeah, and then you go through an unassuming fire door. And you're in Bugman's. Yeah. Which, which is... Freaking awesome. A themed restaurant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the whole thing is themed. You come in the front door, and it's it's kind of fairly corporate, for the want of a better term. Yeah. Um, but once you go in, in the big gaming room, there's all the faux castle stuff up on the walls. Yeah. You know, there's there. I don't know how many gaming tables there were. It seemed like there might be somewhere around a million. Um, and you got the kind of glass fronted booths, but again, it's very you know, it's all faux castle, very very Warhammer. And then Bugman's is you know follows that theme. It is a Viking tavern, basically. Yeah, big cartwheel chandeliers hanging off the ceiling and. Yeah, shields and swords and magic books and, sorry, grimoires. Um, orc heads uh, and... Orc heads, all, all of that kind of gaff. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bar. It's a, it's a TGI's basically, it but with a, a different thing. It is a TGI's with a different thing. It was, what was it, the, um, uh, thing from Lord of the Rings over in the corner? Oh, the, the Eric High. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a TGI's. It's a you know what table you're sitting at, order your food, sort of place. But it was it was very nice. Prices were reasonable. Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, um, it was, was lush. It was busy. Yeah, I was going to say there, there must have been you know a big chunk of people out playing. But then there was, what, another 20 to 30 sat in Bugman's? Yeah, and people were coming in and out all the time and ordering food and stuff. So, and you've got John to Blanche! Him. John Blanche walked through Bugman's. I didn't clock him at first, but you went, oh, look, it's John Blanche. <laughs> Sex week. Sex week came out. <laughs> John freaking Blanche, for God's sake. So, yeah, you get to do that and stuff. Um... Mm. 
And then we, uh, after we'd eaten, and we still had time before the cricket started, we went to the museum. Yes. Well, the exhibition. Exhibition, sorry, yes. Yes. Um, which we'd been told to do. Loads of people had told us to do it. Yes. Um, so we did. And what was it, £7.50 each? Yes. Um, which at first I thought, that seems a bit steep. But afterwards, didn't feel that I'd been robbed in any way whatsoever. Um, because it was stunning. It was. It was. Five, For many reasons. Yeah, five exhibition halls. Yeah. Um, the first one, a relatively small one. Um, and this was the one actually that... This was the bit that I was actually disappointed in. Mm. Um, the Warhammer exhibition is very much... The, sorry, the museum or whatever it's called, is very much about the now. Yeah. So the first, the first room um, was about the history. Now, for me, that was the best room. Yeah. Um, because I was looking at models going, I had one of them. Oh, I really wanted to have that. So there were the painted... There was an, in the 80s, they came out with a, um, a box set of fighters called Lords of Legend mm-hmm. that I really wanted. But my friend at the time, Andy Lloyd, he bought that those fighters they were gorgeous models they're st- actually they're still gorgeous models yeah i mean there are still some companies that are sculpting that fail to produce anything quite as that yeah. and they had a paint set they had all the mike mcveigh dioramas that you remember from like white dwarf 50 or whatever yeah. it was so so the horus the um the emperor the scratch build emperor and horus on the steps. Um, the wood elf jousting scene. Yeah. Um, the awesome Warhammer Quest multi-level sort of subterranean thing. Yeah. Which I found really interesting because I said to I said to Matt at the time, the painting on it isn't as good as you think it is, or, or certainly as I thought at the time. Hmm. It shows how painting people's model painting has improved um, from those things, and that, those I mean they were amazing. They're still they are still amazing. It's an amazing composition. The Mike McVeigh stuff is amazing, but painting wise, looking at it now uh, with the paint jobs that we see these days and the techniques, you, it, that it, it's it's kind of solid tabletop nowadays, really. Yeah. Yeah, but that was very cool to see all that. And then there was old, um, there was 40k Rogue Trader stuff. So they had, yeah. um, you know, a box of Beakies and a box of... Um, the original the Space original, Orcs. The original Space Orcs, which, you know, I remember buying the day 40k came out at um, Games Day 87 uh, at Hammersmith Flower Market. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day before Games... Because Games Workshop wasn't as seriously corporate back then mm. um that was uh the day that people like andy chambers they were all in biker leather with battery operated water pistols running around Hammerfliss, hammersmith shooting each other with water pistols and they had a guy and i can't remember his name he used to run um paranoia mm. um rpg sessions there and he was he had all the props and everything and you remember 
the plastic track that you used to have that car, Matchbox cars would go down. Yeah. And you would. He had people holding that to their heads as sort of Dalek plunger type things. <laughs> um, you know, it was that. It was that sort of thing, and they were they were demoing um, the Strontium Dog RPG, which never cool. came out. No. <laughs> it never got released, but. Um, it was it was very cool. So that was that was brilliant. There was a huge wave of nostalgia, which yes. you know was very very cool. But fleeting, in but, fairness, compared to what was to follow. Very very fleeting, and didn't touch on. And actually, this was a theme throughout the thing. Didn't touch on other games. No. There was you know there was no epic. There was no blood bowl. None of those. What no dark future. Speci- yeah, none of those things that became specialist games. Were no, it was bad. definitely just fantasy and forty k all the way. Yeah, none of the side games. Yeah. So then, when it, so then the next exhibition hall um, is the Age of Sigmar exhibition hall. Mm-hmm. Um. So all of the Age of Sigmar stuff was out. And boy, was it out! The the displays they have in there, not. I mean, obviously they have. So there are just rows and rows of glass cabinets with all the figures that you see in White Dwarf, all painted up. And I don't know if they are actually the ones. For, you know, if it's they, they are actually the studio miniatures, or they're another set that are painted that look the same. But hordes of stuff. Yeah. But then you have the displays. And I think the first one you've kind of come across must be a 12-foot square cube of glass, really, with the display in. Yeah. One with all of the Sigmarite types. Yeah, and the, the floating all the, castles. All, all running towards the corn castle, and there's blood thirsters everywhere. And... Hundreds of superbly painted miniatures in a gargantuan display. Yeah. And that was a theme all the way around, is just massive displays. Yeah. That look awesome. And if I suppose if you look to the models individually, then you'll go, it's not very well painted. It didn't have to be. The sheer spectacle of seeing that many models work, you know, working together is just amazing. Yeah. And the way they've staged them all with, you know, very clever lighting and mm-hmm. things... Um, and some nice little kind of, you know, around the corner bits. You know, you've got your kind of your main focus of how they want it to be seen or where you're kind of standing as you come up to it. But all of a sudden there's like little details kind of of people behind a tower that are hiding. And, and yeah, all. those two giants that were pulling the chains shut on the gates yeah. and things that you, you have to, instead of just looking at the thing, you have to wander around the side and go, oh, look, there they are and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, proper 3D kind of full aspect modelling. Yes. And um, just hordes and hordes of all the Mm. forces and, you know, all the forces that don't exist anymore. Yeah, all of the old Warhammer fantasy kind of stuff that may, I I have no doubt, will eventually find their way back in. Yeah. But there was, you know, a load of Bretonians and... Yeah, Tomb Kings. Yeah, oh, the Tomb Kings, and that that stuff looked lovely as well. Yeah, um, a load of Skaven stuff, and 
Um, Fantastic Skaven kind of dwarf battle. Oh, yeah, that was very, very cool. Taking place in what could, I guess, the Mines of Moria is kind of what it was about. I was thinking, yeah. But no, that was that was very cool, and um, the way they had they'd mounted dwarf gyrocopters flying down, and so there was a, a clear peg basically going into the cliff that yeah. you could see if you looked at some angles, but at some angles it would just look it just looked like it was flying along. It was yeah, very very cool. And now I'm not, you know, I was vaguely aware of the old fashioned, you know, I knew I knew the forces from old Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I haven't read any of the End of Time stuff. I don't know what the hell has happened other than, I guess, bad stuff and what I've read on Twitter about, you know, it was the end of the universe and then something else has happened. Um, so I'm not particularly au fait with the fluff of the Age of Sigma, but obviously, you know, anyone who's a gamer has this stuff coming up in your Facebook or Twitter timeline because lots of people are and lots of people are painting it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the new stuff has left me not cold particularly, but kind of, yeah. It's all right. You know, all the corn stuff is just kind of more corn stuff that we've I've used to seeing. The yeah, it doesn't, look, are, it doesn't look a massive difference from 40k corn, does it? No, well, the, the Signorites are all right, but, you know, it's fine. But all of that Sylvaneth, is it? The kind of tree... Oh, the wood elf stuff. The, the wood, wood elfy yeah. tree people kind of stuff. I kind of liked the look of it, but looking at their painted stuff and what they've done with that, that looks freaking amazing. Yeah, and some really interesting paint jobs on that stuff with the contrasting colours, that bl- the blue that they were using. On the bows and stuff yeah. like that, sort of pastely blue. Yeah, the- contrasting with the browns. Yeah, so if there was one army that would get me into playing Warhammer these days, it would be that, if only I had a spare kidney to sell. <laughs> but they were, they were very cool. They were very cool. Um, they... Um, had a version of one of my all-time favourite models, which is the um, the Death Barge thing, riding on the, all the spirits. Yeah. Um, that was cool. As I said, the Skaven stuff was cool. The um, Nurgle Glotkin stuff and the big beasties for Nurgle, mm. they were very nice. I liked those a lot. Yeah. And again, they had their own big display of kind of a Nurgle castle with just... Hundreds and yeah. hundreds of of plague demons of various shapes and sizes pouring out through various gates and holes in it. Yeah, it was very very cool. Mm-hmm. But it was just one hall. Yeah, and then we entered into the realm of forty k, and it it was interesting that it showed where the company's real focus is. Because mm. 40k just went on forever. Yeah. Um, but it did have, in the, in the 40k stuff, was possibly the coolest gaming diorama I have ever, ever seen. Which one was that? The one where you went down the stairs. Oh, that massive display. The Ultramarines versus um, Corn Demons. Yeah, it was it was just stunning. It must have been what ten meters across. I would have thought so. Well, it's one story high because you go da- you go from you go down a floor going past it. 
Yeah. It and it must be almost what's meters in old money? Uh, it's a, three feet to a meter. Yes. Ish. Thirty feet. Oh, that might be a bit much. I don't know. I, it, I, you kind of lose context of the scale of it. Well, you've got to think how bit small those Titans looked on it. And when we looked at the Titans in the four-drill cabinet, we were going, bloody hell, that's a bit big. Yeah. And they, they were tiny on that thing. Yeah. I mean, it it, was... it's huge. And it's it's so cleverly lit. Yeah. Um, and there's sound effects going and the sort of sounds of battle and... Sort of changing lighting, so you know it goes from kind of a red to oranges, and then sort of more natural light, and then to another color. Yeah, it was it was very cool that the 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 bits where they were, which were predominantly corn had red lighting on them as well, and then yeah. the bits that were predominantly ultramarine had sort of a bluey white light on them. So yeah. just looking at it, even without going and looking at the miniatures, there was this play of co- I'm waving my arms about because it was very very cool. Yeah. And there would you I mean you could probably spend just two to three hours slowly moving over it because you know, you can feel the the cleverness and the love that's gone into it because there were just so many little vignettes of stuff that was yeah, going that on. Was the, that was the thing that, I mean that I think that was the cool thing that was very cool. I mean we sort of touched on it about all the displays is that there were just these little vignettes going on. But on that one you could really see them. There were things like you know The drop pods smashing into the warhounds. Yeah, the Zinch flyer things breathing fire and so basically supported on columns of flame so yeah. that they look like they're flying but they're breathing down. That that was very cool. And then little marines running because they're on fire going, ah! Yeah. And bloodthirsters everywhere. And But you know, if, if you've got a Forge World Warlord Titan, which, you know, those things are standing the best part of two foot tall. Yeah. And it looks like an epic titan on a table. Yeah, that's a pretty big table. Yeah, no, that's a good, it. Was, it was epic. Yeah, at forty k scale. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Um, but then I've just thought of another one display that I really liked as well. What's that one? The Imperial Guard tank one. Oh, what the tank parade? Yeah. Yeah. I used to have an Imperial Guard army that was about that big. <laughs> Was but it, yes, was... in effect, an army, uh, an Imperial Guard tank army on parade. Yeah, and I think that was they used pictures of that in the Apocalypse rulebook. All oh, right, because right. It, you know that gives an idea of the kind of scale of armies that you could be using. Because it was just rows and rows and rows of tanks and and basilisks. It, and really, looked, it really looked like one of those Chinese military parades that they have. Yeah, where you know just everything goes past because you've got huge platoons of Imperial Guard and they've used all the same figure just much, so they look like they're just marching in perfect formation along yeah. and stuff. Very, very cool. But there were two and a half halls of 40k. Yeah. Um, compared with one hall of Age of Sigmar and a very small hall of the history. Yeah. And then the last hall was kind of, um, there was a, a bit of, was it 25 years of Golden Demon. Yeah, I think that's their pop-up exhibition hall, so they change yeah. the contents of... <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Um, yeah, no, just having a cough. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so yeah there were a, a varying number of um, painted examples of 
previous and current Golden Demon winners um, right back from when it began. And again, it was interesting to look at the change in painting. And again, you know, stuff that was a Golden Demon winner back in kind of 1990, you kind of commonly see that popping up on people's well, Twitter was, feeds. That was one of the best ones, though, wasn't it? it yeah. Paul Soper, is that his name? I'm sure it's, was... some, it's something Soper, I'm sure. Yeah. In early 90s, he won a Golden Demon for his Nurgle Predator, where he'd green-stuffed Nurgle faces on a Predator and stuff, which was great. And then in 2014, he won again with a an icicle-based battle thing. And yeah. see, you could see the progression of his painting over the 15 years. Um, but it in those two models, it encapsulated the progression of just painting in general across the hobby. Yeah. Yeah, it was it. It was it was nice to see that kind of uh, that kind of progression of painting because I guess it's a trip that we all go on, and you know the the majority of people certainly I know are always looking for or trying new techniques or doing stylistically new things to to either challenge themselves or to try and um yeah do something a bit different and improve or or make an impact and it's it's certainly a discussion we've had on if not recorded but we've had amongst ourselves of when we talk about painting competitions at various tournaments irrespective of the games the game system and you can go all the way back to the fools that you did with matt hart where he talked about painting yeah. of the difference in painting something that is technically proficient as opposed to painting something that makes a visual impact yeah um and there's stuff stuff there that was golden demon winners in 1990 that would not probably place in the top three now yeah and you know we're talking kind of non-professional painters hobby painters you know pro, you know real gamers out there that are painting which i guess kind of golden demon always was um but just the the i guess not only the paints that have become available the techniques that have been that have evolved you know airbrushes now kind of becoming part of a well, lot of paint the, the, fr- the, fr- the air quotes french style as well yeah, I mean there was a few um, models painted in that style, which were, you know were just stunning. Yeah, um, and it it reinforces the whole. You can be a good model painter, but then you can have an artist who paints models, and the difference yeah. the difference is staggering. Um, you know, the best figure painter compared with a good artist who can paint on models. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was so it. It, w- it was a relatively fleeting visit. It still took, of, we still took half to three quarters of an hour to go round. Yeah, but we did have that. We did have the cricket. But we, yeah, I mean, we were we were we moved at a relative pace because we had to get to the cricket. I mean, I'm I'm very keen to go back. As that being the entire reason to go there and yeah. spend the time. Because, as I say, some some of those big displays, you could easily spend 15, 20 minutes just slowly working around looking at the little vignettes and some of the painting and some of the 
you know, it, it, there's some really good ideas. There's some really nice stuff that you could you could translate onto a 25, 30, 40 mil base. Yeah. From a stylistic point of view. Yeah, agreed. So it was it was thoroughly. good though. I'm I'm glad that we've been. I hadn't been around. I've been to Bugwins before. Um, and Warhammer Wood. I've not been to the museum. I've never been to the museum before, so that was the first time I'd been to the museum. Yeah. Um, so it was very, very cool. Thoroughly recommended to anybody, no matter whether you're into Games Workshop now or not. If you're a gamer and a modeler, then yeah, there, and, well, there no, is no, something no, no. there for and, you. And you're mature enough to not go, Games Workshop! <laughs> I hate them. Why do you hate them? Because... The internet told me I have to in order to have some false, ridiculous, misplaced idea of being cool or anti-establishment. Yourselves, you freaks, just because you listen to some subversive music or you think you're Marilyn Manson, Jesus. Twats. Anyway. Today's rant is brought to you by... (laughs) It wasn't a rant. It was merely just making comment of the fact that some people. Are but you are cor- you are correct. If you stupid. if you are one of those people, then don't go because you'll no. just you'll just wander around going. Argh! I hate Games Workshop. Stupid figures. Oh, they look rubbish. Stupid figures. They look rubbish. I hate them. Despite the fact my entire hobby is based upon their corporate success. You tards. Um, I'm starting to become quite an old, a grumpy old man, I've noticed. You are recently. starting to become a grumpy old Becoming man. Becoming intolerant of people, generally. Well, you've always been intolerant of people. Yeah, but more vocal about my intolerance. You are, you are more vocal about it. Smelly people and people who don't like, who just rail against Games Workshop because. I think I may have to restart the Spooner Book of Grudges. <laughs> oh, dear. As long as I'm not in it, that's fine. No, you're all right. It's all them other feckers. You can't say that. Feckers, I said. That's primetime television words. No, that's frackers. No, feckers. Father Ted. Yeah, but he was on Channel 4. Still pretty much primetime. It's, edit- <laughs> it's not requiring of an edit, because no. I didn't actually say the swear word. For you, I won't. It would it would pass the Joel test. I'm not sure it would. I think you'll find it would. Right, next time we speak to him, we'll ask him. Okay. Right, so that was our trip to Warhammer World. Mm, we will be going back. We will, with a little bit of cricket thrown in. Yes. Epic cricket. Epic gaming stuff. It was just an epic day. It's highly possible that we will make. a yearly pilgrimage to Trembridge to watch cricket. And do you know the other thing that we did that day? It was a three-burger day. It was. Because we had a no, McDonald's... it was for you. Well, I say burger. It was a McMuffin in the morning. Yes. Oh, no, I did have a sneaky burger when I went to go to the you toilet. Had an ostrich, you had an ostrich burger. I had an ostrich burger. Yeah, it was. For me, it was a three-burger and a McMuffin day. Because there was an ostrich burger seller down in the bits behind the stands and I thought ostrich burgers they're quite healthy, very low fat but then they put the caramelised Jack Daniels onions on and the, and the Stilton mayo and the other cheese and all of the other fat <laughs> and then served it in a soggy brioche um, they had a lettuce leaf it did I took, threw that out in disgust <laughs> yeah. it. it's practically vegetarian 
Yes. Right. Okay. We should go. Yes. We better head. Um, so today's episode was brought to you by our lovely sponsor, the Terrain Shed, for all your MDF terrain needs. They do very cool stuff. That was good. Watch mate. my Twitter feed coming because I'm going to paint some of it up. Their pylon. That is... looks good. That that did come out well. Well, I've, I've only done a base coat on it and just I know, sanded but the base. Just so... with the base hiding because it hides the, you know, the joins mm-hmm. in the wood and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and other other cool stuff. Like Becky's Diner and Atomicola. Start yes. the day with a bang. Buy that shizzle now. <laughs> See, that's not swear either. You could say that in class. Yeah. That's Joel. Do, do you think we've do you think we've we've um we've satisfied our sponsor? I th- I think so. Are you satisfied? Yeah, I'm satisfied. Then we've satisfied so our tomorrow, sponsor. Next episode we'll satisfy our other sponsor. Well, is he gonna be on it? No, but you know, we're just satisfied. Bendyboards.co.uk. Yes. <laughs> they make your, counters all, and all gubbins. All your gaming gubbins needs. Yes. He's an angry man in a shed. <laughs> Buy his stuff, otherwise he comes out and generally punches me or tweaks me or says things bad about my girlfriend. <laughs> to be fair, you sort of bring that on yourself. The hitting and stuff, I grant, yes. <laughs> Possibly not the being the other thing. girlfriend. No. <laughs> yes, I could tell, we could all tell you were traumatised. If you have no yeah. idea what we're listening to, go listen to Malifaux's episode four. Yeah. Um, we have had requests for more Fools Daily TV, or any Fools Daily TV, to be honest. Well, we did buy the camera. Yes. We have a number of game systems to, to play. We have a tripod. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but he's in the shed cutting laser stuff. Um, so we will do it. We are, we are yes, I've to. almost cleared off one of my tables of all the crud, another non-sweary swear word, that's on it, so we can position, and we were, we've got Congo to play, we've got Conflict 47 to play, we've got Broken Legions to play. Uh, what else have we bought recently to play? No, that's it, recently. Is that it, recently? Excellent. So we will we will do kind of some two-camera, because... I'm definitely worth being on camera. A little summary of what we've got, the quality of the, uh, the rule book, and then we'll play a turnout for you. Yeah. But not the whole game, because nobody would want to see me no. get smashed at another gaming system. Yeah, basically we can start, and you will know how it's going to end. Um, yeah, just like pretty much any Malifaux tournament I go to. Yeah. Right, so we'll definitely go now. Yes. All right, until next time, I've been Mike. And I've been Matt. Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily. Or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>